Uh, so we'll be in First John, and we'll be in chapter one. We'll also look a little, couple verses in chapter four, but again, it should probably only one page over. Um, and I, I tell you what, I'm thankful for the Lord today. Thankful for His truth, Lord. Uh, uh, I'm glad we can come together, aren't you? Aren't you glad that we can worship Him? Uh, we have a place to come. Uh, you know, I was uh, reminded a, a while back, a uh, handful of years ago, is when we had the big flood in the basement. We had uh, at least a foot of water down there, uh, and uh, man, that was a uh, that was a trial to get through. We had to uh, took a lot to get all of it put back together and. And God blessed us with uh, different things, and uh, we ended up rebuilding it better than before, but that was hard. You know, we couldn't meet here uh, when there was water, and then the smell afterward is usually uh, what happened afterward, but uh, I'm glad we can come in today, aren't you? Aren't you glad we serve a God that's alive? Uh, Just had Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, God, He is a God that deserves our thanks all the time, you know, so it is... Uh, something to continue to remember through the rest of the year uh, that we should be thankful to God in all things giving thanks. But I, uh, I want to look at First John chapter 1. So we're going to start in the first verse. Uh, it says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with the son, Jesus Christ. And these things right we unto you that your joy may be full. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for its truth. Lord, help us today to worship you. And Lord, help us to dig into your word. Lord, that it would come alive in our minds and our hearts. And Lord, uh, if there's any lost, I pray they'd come to know you. Lord, help me today to get out of the way and just to preach what you've given to me. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask all these things. And amen. So we have the the apostle John is the he was the last living apostle he was the one that lived the longest uh, he saw uh, all of Jesus's earthly ministry he was one of the closest if not the closest apostle to Jesus Christ uh, so he watched everything he watched those uh, three years of Jesus's ministry he watched Jesus die on the cross uh, he saw him risen from the dead and he watched him ascend back up into heaven uh, so and he was a leader, an important part of the early church, uh, and then all of those other apostles around him were martyred one by one. Uh, they died, uh, and then in uh, 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed, uh, and John left to go to Ephesus to be a pastor there. So now we pick up John, and he's in his mid to late 80s. He's an old man uh, at this point, uh, and he is writing this letter, First. John uh, because there's already started to be false beliefs that have started to creep creep into the early church and you think about that Uh, if John uh, if we're talking about John in his 80s it's only been about uh, really 40 50 years that the church has even existed and they're already dealing with false doctrine 
So you can imagine what's happened after 2,000 years. We're still dealing with false doctrine today, aren't we? That's why it's so important to get into the Word. And uh, John doesn't make us guess. We can see, if you turn over to chapter 4, you can see the problem that he was going against. Uh, it says, First uh, uh, John 4, uh, believe, uh, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And he's saying, uh, uh, he is telling us we need to be careful. And one of the things I've noticed right here is the next verse, verse 2. Uh, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth the Lord, uh, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Where have ye have heard that it should come? And even now is it in the world. One of the things you see right here in verses 1 and 2. Look at the word spirit. In verse 1, we see spirits uh, and spirit, lowercase. Verse 2, we see the spirit of God, uppercase, and then spirits back in lowercase. One of the things you have to do is pay close attention when looking at the Bible. So we see spirit mentioned three different ways, and it can get a little confusing. But I'll, I'll help you out real quick. If the word spirit is in uppercase, that's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what it's talking. The Holy Spirit or the Comforter, the third member of the Trinity, God. If you're saved today, you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. That's the capital S Spirit that verse 2 is talking about. But if Spirit is lowercase, it's not the Holy Spirit. It is talking about the Spirit that we have inside of us. And really, it's who you are. The Bible also calls it the inner man in some places. But the spirit is really you. That's you as the person. And we've got a body that houses that spirit. You know, the body is what animates. You know, that's how we talk and everything else is we have our literal body. Uh, and when you're born again, when you're saved by Jesus Christ, you get a new spirit. That's what's really the new creation. It's your spirit inside of you. Uh, he saves your soul and gives you a new spirit on the inside. You're saying, Michael, that doesn't, you know, when he says a new creature, isn't he talking about the body? Well, I didn't get a new body when I was saved, did you? Right. No, that comes later. Right. And the body doesn't get saved. It's still the flesh. And that's where you have that war against the spirit, who you are, and the flesh, your body, uh, uh, is warring against you in the inner man. So, uh, so he's warning here in chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, he's talking to the church, Believe not every spirit, lowercase, but try the spirits whether they are of God. And what he's saying right here is don't you go and believe everyone that says that they're a Christian. Don't you believe everyone that claims to be spiritual, you know, because that's what they say. Uh, and, you know, uh, here's a red flag is when somebody starts to brag about how spiritual they are. You need to watch out. You need to watch out for people like that, that uh, act so high and mighty and everything else. Uh, and especially if you watch that person and you can't see the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of their life, that's a problem. Because a lot of people that I have encountered over the years that claim to be spiritual are really just full of pride and false doctrine is what they are. And that's what he's saying right here, saying, hey, beloved church, you've got to watch out for this. You've got to watch out for it in person. 
Today, you've got to watch out for it online, on the TV, everything else, because there are false uh, uh, people that are false, full of false doctrine. The Bible calls it, uh, he calls it antichrist. Uh, and we think of the word anti as being opposite, but really it's another Christ. It's a counterfeit. It's so that, you know, when the antichrist, the real one, the big one, when he comes, he's not going to be completely evil. No, he's going to act good to try to fool everybody. And that's what people are doing. They're trying to act like they're Christians, but they're not. Many false prophets have gone out into the world, and we've got to be careful. But so John gives us the test, and this is what he's running into uh, at the early church. He's running into this problem. And in verse 2, the test is, uh, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit, uh, every person that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And you stop and think about that. He's saying, hey, if you want to tell whether someone is genuine, a genuine Christian, whether someone really has the Holy Spirit in their life, somebody that's real, do they confess that Jesus was come in the flesh? Do they confess? Do they believe that when Jesus came, he actually took on a human body? And you think about that. I don't know. It hits me as kind of strange that how on earth could somebody getting into God's word? How on earth could somebody claiming to be a Christian for a second think that Jesus didn't come in an actual body? But John was fighting against them. The Gnostics in that day is the group that they were called. They believed that they had higher knowledge. Right? They believed they had special knowledge, special revelation from God, and we were the weak ones, right? The ones that just uh, used the Bible, they were the weaker ones. Oh, but we had special knowledge from God above the Bible. And they, they came up with this problem that there's no way that God could have literally come in a human body and died because then that would be the end of God. See, they invented some problem that wasn't really there instead of going to God's word and just taking the truth. But how many times, maybe we're not fighting the Gnostics today or something like that today, but how many times do we see this uh, throughout the world? Don't we, we see a group that calls themselves Christians, claims the name of Jesus Christ, they invent a problem that's not really there, and then they solve it outside of God's word over and over again. Right? Isn't that what we see many times? Uh, they believed that Jesus' physical body wasn't real. He just looked like he was real. He was really a ghost or something like that, but kind of appeared to be like a real person, which sounds ridiculous. And you could go over many uh, verses in the Bible to refute that. But 1 Peter 2.24, I like this one, talking about Jesus, who his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And see, here's the problem. If you take Jesus Christ with no body and only a spirit, he couldn't have died on the cross, right? It takes a body to die. That's what dies, right? When, when, when we die, the spirit lives, uh, uh, but it's the body that dies. So if there's no death of a real body, there's no shedding of blood. There's no remission of sins. There's no Christianity. There's no nothing. And see what they've done? They've invented this problem. They've invented a solution. And all the while, they're discrediting everything that's real. And you're thinking, well, it, it kind of seems a little minor, but that minor little change that he didn't have a real body takes away salvation. 
Right? Yeah. And that's what the devil will do. He will let you get really, really close, and he'll make one little tweak. Right? Oh, you can believe in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus for forgiveness of sins. You can do all these things, but don't pray to him. Pray to somebody else. Maybe a dead saint. Maybe Mary. Right? That's what the devil wants you to do. Because if he can get you to say, well, don't go straight to Jesus, but go through a dead saint that can't take your prayer to Jesus, by the way, then he has gotten you so close, but cut you off from the real Jesus. That's what he wants to do. And he does that over and over again. John was fighting it with the Gnostics. The problem is still here today. And notice, religion after religion, naming Jesus Christ, saying they believe the Bible. Well, what do they do? They change a little thing, right? Maybe not uh, salvation by faith, but they say, well, it's kind of faith, but really works. That's what a lot of them do today, right? A lot of them that knock on, or used to knock on doors before COVID, Right? You got to work. They just make little changes. And what happens? That little change is enough to get you away from the real Jesus, the real salvation, and you're still dead in your sins. And that's why John said, I've got to tackle this. I've got to show them. And guess what? We've got to watch for it as well. So he's fighting the Gnostics. And he's saying, hey, if they don't confess Jesus was come in the flesh, if they don't say that he uh, had a real body when he was here, born of a virgin, everything else that we know to be true, that is the spirit of Antichrist. That's what he's saying. And again, it's an alternate Jesus that they've invented. And they believe that they had a higher level of revelation than God's word. But really, again, they were full of false doctrine and pride. And God and John's telling us through the Holy Spirit that we need to listen and watch and be vigilant because people will try to continue to do the same thing, whether or not it's Jesus coming in the flesh or something else. That's why it's so important that we've got to get in God's word. We've got to fill our mind and our heart with it. We have to understand doctrine. We have to understand what the truth is because uh, people will try to sweet talk you. They'll try to uh, confuse you. They'll try to give emotional pleas and everything else and make slick videos online. But I'm here to tell you, I'm interested in the truth because it is the true Jesus that saved my soul. And he's the only one that can save yours as well. That's it. So here's John's answer. We're going to go back to the beginning of verse one of the of the book. That which was from the beginning, uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. That's what he starts with. And you know what he's saying right here? He's saying, number one, that which was from the beginning. He's tackling another heresy that's not even mentioned right here. But he's saying, just in case you thought Jesus was created the day he was born in Bethlehem, that's wrong. He says that which was from the beginning. That same one uh, in John 1, 1, uh, the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then down in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt in among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth aren't you glad that Jesus Christ always was he wasn't created he was from the beginning and he stepped out of nothing uh, out of eternity past he created the heavens and the earth everything we see here uh, through the uh, through his voice he spoke it into existence he did that in six days and he rested the seventh do you believe in six literal days yes I do not 
because I was there, because the Bible tells me that's what happened. And he did that, and not only did he do that, uh, but in the fullness of time, the Bible says, uh, he was born of a virgin. Uh, he, uh, we're getting ready to celebrate it in a couple weeks, Christmas time. Uh, he lived a sinless life. Uh, he healed. Uh, he did great things. He fulfilled countless prophecies that would have been impossible for him to do without being God. Uh, and he did all of that so that he could die for the sins of the world. That's what he's saying. That which was from the beginning. He's saying that's the God. He's reminding us who he was. Fully man and fully God. And he's saying, hey, we heard him. Right? There's a progression here in verse 1. Number 1, we heard him. But then what else does it say? We've seen with our eyes. But it's funny, Bob and I have been working on memorizing this first chapter without even knowing it. We, we had both started uh, uh, without telling each other and are, are working on this, and it's kind of funny. But sometimes when you memorize things, you have to kind of, uh, this is a harder verse. If you look at it to memorize, you kind of think about something in it that will help you to remind yourself. And I, I understood. I was like, okay, that which we have heard, you hear things before you see it. Then it's seen. But then I said, wait a second. Look what it says. In the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. And see, when I hit things like that, I start to stop and say, wait a second. If I just saw it with my eyes, why is he saying that which we have looked upon? And I started, sometimes when you pause like that, you just have to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you got to help me out. And you know what he's saying? Sometimes you see things and sometimes you look upon things. Sometimes you study things. Sometimes you deeply look at it. And the, the best thing I could think of is if you, sometimes you, you get a big painting that's really impressive and you start to get close to it and really see the detail that went into it. You know, a picture or something like that. Uh, they, they were coming out with new pictures of the moon and different things that are amazing from this new telescope. And you really look at the picture and, and, and kind of study it. And that's what John says. He says, hey, uh, we heard him. He wasn't a ghost. We heard him. He had his body. We saw him. We looked upon him. We studied him. What's he say after that? Which our hands have handled. We touched him. We touched him. That's what he's saying right there. He's saying, hey, uh, the Gnostics uh, thought uh, they, that they would have argued with John and say, hey, you can hear a ghost. You can maybe see a ghost. But John says our hands have handled of the word of life. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. John 24, it says, when he appeared, his disciples were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit or a ghost. But here's what Jesus said in verse 39 of Luke 24. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye seen me have. You know what they were saying? Oh, it must be a ghost. The risen Jesus, he said, no, you come touch me. You handle me. That's what John is telling the Gnostics right here. Our hands have handled. We've touched him. We've embraced him. Right? It was really Jesus. He had a real body. And guess what? So did a whole lot of others touched him as well. 
I was just reading this in my daily Bible reading, Luke 6, 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. Jesus was not a ghost. He wasn't some fancy specter or anything like that. He was God in the flesh. He was fully God and fully man. And one of the things I love is you go into the Old Testament, and if somebody was unclean and you touched an unclean person, you became unclean. You couldn't touch a leper or you would become unclean for a, for a period. But guess what? Jesus could touch the unclean and it didn't make him unclean. He made them clean. That's the same thing that happened to you and I when we called on Jesus' name. Uh, our sins didn't make him dirty because he paid for our sins on the cross. When, he, uh, when we touched him, when we reached out, when we called on Jesus' name, the one that was clean made an unclean sinner clean. Praise God. That's what he does. They touched him. He healed. He gave. He put people in the right mind that were possessed and he cast out devils. Praise the Lord. Let's go on. Verse 2. For the life was manifested. Again, it was real. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. You know, Jesus came to this earth not just to perform miracles. Oh, he did that. But he came to bring eternal life to mankind. That's why he came to, uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Down from Adam, that sin just kept passed along generation after generation. We were born in sin and we participate in sin. And he said those disciples, John included, we followed Jesus. We watched him. We heard him. And we passed on that teaching to the next generation. That's what we've done. We've taken what we have seen and heard about Jesus. And we've given it to the next generation. We've continued to say the same thing. That was the argument. See the Gnostics could say well Jesus is gone. The apostles are gone except for John. Uh, so you know a lot of this stuff. We've got to kind of uh, fill in the blanks where we want to. You know we, we've got to uh, continue these things. And John's saying no, no, no. We're not creating something new here. We're not inventing something new. Even when he's writing 1 John, he's not giving us things that aren't already in the Bible. He's saying, hey, I'm just telling you what I've seen and heard. And guess what our job is? It's the exact same thing. It's to tell people what we've seen and what we've heard. Tell them about it. It was given to us. We need to give it on. That eternal life. But you know what's a blessing? Is that you think about us. God chose to reveal himself to us. You realize if God never revealed himself to us, we would have no Bible. We would have no Jesus in the flesh. We'd be in trouble. Yeah. Then what? Then you'd have to walk outside. You'd have to look around and try to guess whether there's a creator or not. And then if you thought there was a creator, where is he? What's he expect to be? There's nothing but questions. But aren't you glad that God, see, that's the way this world is, right? They're, they're all full of questions. They don't understand. Maybe there was a creator. Maybe not. Maybe there was a big bang. Uh, maybe there's some spirit out in the woods or something like that. But aren't you glad we don't have to guess? God fully revealed himself through Jesus Christ. The word was manifested and we beheld it and we have his word right here. This is the full revelation of God right here. We don't have some special knowledge that we're in some back room conjuring up. 
You know, in fact, you look at some of these so-called prophets and how they got their prophecy is ridiculous, most of them, right? I can't remember who it was. One of them uh, uh, covered up his head and was staring at something and all of a sudden something came to him. And it's like, you're crazy, is what it was. I'm glad we've got the word, aren't you? He revealed himself to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So I kind of told you a little bit, but all those other apostles were martyred. Many in the early church died. Uh, it was not an easy time for the church. They were risking their lives to spread the gospel. They were risking their lives to even come together and worship. And the whole reason they did that is ye so that ye, you may also have fellowship with us. That's it. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. You know what happened to the early church? They had grown up, many of them, uh, that were Jews. They grew up in Judaism. Gentiles, they grew up with pagans idolatry and everything else made up uh, gods and they lived that and then all of a sudden someone brought them the gospel and it changed their life and they were willing to go against uh, if you were a Jew that was the national religion uh, you're born a Jew you become a Jew you're expected to be a Jew and there are people that went against that and said no I want Jesus Christ and then there are people that grew up in the Roman Empire uh, that, that had their household God that they would have made an offering to every day that that God would allegedly would have helped them uh, for, the, uh, for the harvest and for selling things and everything else would have blessed them and if they bucked that uh, they would have been seen as an outcast either way they were willing to risk their lives because something changed them from the inside something was real not that household statue uh, not the dead rituals that didn't have God in it at all but they saw something different and that's the same thing if you come to Jesus Christ that should have changed your life as well and you should be totally different and you should say you know what I remember that old dead world I remember maybe an old dead religion but now I have the truth and that's why uh, they were willing to risk it all to spread that truth to those around them you know what I heard the other day is our church today the modern day church and the church we live in and this society and where we're at in America and everything else uh, our church today has a lust for convenience and a lust for comfort and he said that and I was like wow I think it's true. Yeah. We, we couldn't handle five seconds of what the early church had to go through. We couldn't because we're nowhere near that. We, don't, we aren't worried that someone's going to bust through those doors, lock us all up, split up our families, kill half of us, and leave the rest to fend for themselves. That didn't even come into your mind today. Right. Praise God. Amen. But it would have been for the early church. Yeah. That's why it spread. They were willing to do all of that because of their lives were changed. But you know what? He's saying that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may also have fellowship with us. Do you realize that's why we get up week after week and talk about Jesus and talk about Jesus and talk about Jesus, right? And if you've been in this thing a long time, you think, Mike, well, I've heard 
this passage preached. I've heard it taught. Maybe I've taught it myself. And sometimes it can get a little repetitive. But I'm here to tell you the reason we're doing it is we're trying to draw them in. Right? The end of the book of Acts. We were going over that Sunday school. And what happened? They had to, Paul was preaching. And it said some believed and some believed not. And that's what we're trying to do each and every week. Is to get you to that decision point. You've heard the truth about Jesus Christ. You've heard the truth about your sin. You know where you're at. And you know what God wants you to do. But will you do it? Amen. You believe that he died for your sins. You believe you're a sinner. Like the Bible says. You believe that he rose from the dead. You believe that you can call in his name. And get forgiveness. Even though you can't see it. Why? Because men and women generation after generation are doing the same thing that John was saying all I'm doing is declaring unto you what I've seen and heard aren't you glad if you had Christian parents what were they doing for you declaring to you the truth what they've seen and heard and that's what we need to be doing for the next generation declaring the truth that's it why not so we can get a notch on our belt so we can have fellowship together And not just to have fellowship together, but fellowship together with God. That's what he's saying. And then he ends with this. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Think about that. John had lost the disciples around him. They lost them to martyrdom. The Roman Empire at the time was Domitian. And he had many Christians killed. He hated Christians. And he was the one that would later exile Paul to the Isle of Patmos. Or I'm sorry, John to the Isle of Patmos. That's where we get the book of Revelation. Uh, So uh, again, like I said, life was hard in those days. And there was persecution and real persecution and real uh, risk of death and everything else. But in spite of all that, John said that if you know the real Jesus, if you knew that he came in the flesh and you believed on him for salvation and you've got the fellowship with us together of the true church of Christians, if you've got all that, then you can have joy. Not only can you have joy, but it can be full. But notice he says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Because here's the problem. A lot of us have victory. We've got salvation. We've got eternal life. We've got access to the throne. We can pray at any time. We've got him giving us grace and strength and wisdom. We've got an eternal word revealed unto us. We've got it full of precious promises. We've got all these things. Yet we sit here as if we're in defeat. We sit here uh, in fear. We sit here in sadness and everything else as if uh, uh, the whole world is against us. And you know what that is? That's just forgetting where we are, where we've come from, where we're headed to. And I'm telling you, your joy's not going to be full every day. You're going to encounter problems and everything else. But I'm telling you what, if you've never had a joy-filled day in your life as a Christian,
Christian, there's a problem there. Because he's saying, hey, even in the midst of martyrdom, even in the midst of being exiled on the Isle of Patmos, John can still tell you, hey, even in Patmos, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. Even though I was being persecuted, even though they cast me out to die to work in the mines, there I am on the Lord's day, worshiping the Lord. And he appeared unto me and he took me up to heaven and I got to see what I would see forever. And John is now in that heaven that he caught a glimpse of. And I'm telling you what, Paul was in prison for many years and we, uh, Preston was talking about it there in the book of Acts and all that did was allow him to spread the gospel to more people. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I don't know what the rest of the day may bring. You may be going through a trial that may last the rest of your life. You may get bad news or something else, but I'm here to tell you there's no better life than the one that's in Jesus Christ because he loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be with him and he is with us each and every day. I'm here to tell you uh, uh, I've had some happy days in my life, but none have compared to the joy that he's given me. Saved today. Set free. He loves me today. He's allowed me to serve him and I'll never understand that. And not only that, He's gone away to prepare a place. And one day he's going to take me there, but not just me also. Everyone that's trusted in Jesus Christ. John's saying, hey, I've got something to look forward to. Don't you listen to the Gnostics. Don't you listen to anybody that preaches or teaches anything that's against the word of God. You try those spirits. And the more they act like they're spiritual... The more you see that pride, the more you need to stay away. But you know what I love? I'm glad he's put us together. Amen. To work together, to serve together, to grow together, to teach one another, to pray for one another. He did that on purpose. You're not here by accident today. He's put us together, fitly framed, the Bible says. But the question is for you. You've heard the truth. What are you going to do with the truth? What are you going to do with Jesus? You've come in time after time, maybe. You've heard it over and over again, but it's decision time. It's decision time. If you're lost, you need to come to Jesus Christ before it's too late. And if you're saved, it's decision time too. Are you bearing witness? Are you telling people what you've seen and heard? What you've experienced in your life about Jesus Christ? If not, we need you to. We need you to. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.